All right, guys, welcome back to the fifth episode of the Chalice Chasers podcast. Uh, today, we're joined by another guest who does not need any introduction, well accomplished in the league in a very short amount of time, and we're just ecstatic to have him on here. Um, today's guest is Sean Zhao. Well, thanks for having me on, Steve. This is a great opportunity. I, I've been loving the podcast and I'm loving what you're doing so far. Absolutely. We're, uh, like I said, thrilled to have you on here now. Uh, Sean, I have to ask because uh, I didn't want to touch on it in the introduction. What what have you been up to? It's my understanding that you recently completed a PhD. And uh, I just think the listeners would, would love to know what's going on in your world. Well, uh, yeah, uh, last Thursday, I defended my PhD uh, in chemistry. And so I just finished up. And I know during the draft, I think I said I was going to UChicago. And actually, plans have changed. I'm actually going to Caltech. I'll be in Pasadena starting in September. Wow, that's fantastic. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm sure you're excited to be living down in Pasadena. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure I'll have to catch a Dodgers game with him. Yeah, and I'm starting um, working with a new professor there. So, uh, you know, so I mean, like this, just a brief overview of how like this academic thing works. You finish your PhD, you do a postdoc, and then you apply for to be a professor. So hopefully within two or three years, I'll be uh, at some school somewhere teaching some young ones. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, that's very cool. Are you, um, could you go into a little bit of what you plan on um, kind of working on or would it be a little, uh, would it be a little too heavy? No, I mean, yeah, just really briefly, like the type of stuff I do is like we do, uh, we, do we look at protein interactions in microscopes. And so we're able to see, so for example, we're working on some cancer problems where different proteins will form um, that are not supposed to. And we're able to track them in real time in live cells and then see sort of like uh, what the implications of these interactions are. So that's, that's you know, basically what we're doing. Um, hopefully I can bring that to some actual use instead of just writing papers about it. But yeah, that, that's briefly what, what we're doing. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so then that, that naturally kind of leads into what I think everyone on the podcast in terms of listeners is wondering right now. When do you find the time to do fantasy baseball? Um, man, fantasy baseball, I think it fills the cracks, you know? It's one of these things like, you know, you've, you've seen that analogy, right? You, like how you fill your time in your day. You know, you put the golf balls in first, you pull up the sand in afterwards, and then you fill the rest with water, right? Like there's space if you prioritize the things you want in life. Um, and I'm not saying that like, you know, like fancy baseball is not like the, like the, like the meat of the matter, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I really enjoy. Um, so it's, it's something I make time for. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's, I, I truly enjoy the interaction I get with the people in the league. I think human interaction, it's sort of like, you know, Maslow's the top of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you kind of need it to get perspective, understand what really matters in life, not just you know, the type of stuff that's right in front of your face. Right. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And it's so interesting to kind of hear about uh, um, how it does kind of fill those cracks. And I, uh, um, it's an interesting take. Uh, so, so speaking of which, and I know we're going to get into it because you're very uh, accomplished in our league so far. Uh, you've been in the league for, is this your fourth or fifth year? Fourth year. Fourth I mean, year. Yeah. 
you've been in the playoffs every year. You have a championship. So obviously I think the, our conversation is going to drift towards the idea of strategy. But in the meantime, before we get into strategy, um, and we can go anywhere you'd like, but what I'd really like to first know, just so that everyone else out there can hear, is that, um, like, how did you get into fantasy baseball? Um, like, or was this really the first serious take at fantasy baseball that you had? Yeah, I would say Callis Chase is, the, you know, it was, it's, it, you know, it like, um, it almost sounds uh, weird to say, but like, the, yeah, the first year I played was the first year I was in this league. And maybe like I got the taste of a championship and I was like really excited to keep going. But um, yeah, I, I only got involved because um, at the time, so basically when I was in college, I actually wasn't a huge baseball fan all throughout high school. I know, you know, the Phillies had their success and there was a lot of excitement in high school about baseball. I wasn't a huge fan of baseball. What really got me into baseball was the Oakland A's. I was in college and man, games were so cheap. You would, um, like it's, it's almost like the, the barrier of entry was so low that you would get like a season ticket for like a, like a over like a little over a hundred bucks, something like that. And it worked out to like five bucks, a, like a game. And so we just like buy a season ticket, jump on BART and then head to the stadium, like a drink of 40 on the way. And then like, that was like, our like the thrice weekly activity, you know, just to like go to an Oakland A's baseball game. And you know, going to games, learning more about the game. I think part of what I really liked about it is like um, not only the large, I like, so first off, I love the large sample size. I love the fact that fantasy baseball is a grind. Like any week does not necessarily matter. And I say that because I'm getting sloshed by Kevin right now this week. But, you know, but, but like, well, I, I truly think that like that's, that's the great thing about base, fantasy baseball and like not, I mean, you know, Ari kind of talk, talked about this too, like not panicking. Like you really have to be hunkered down for the long haul. Um, and yeah, so like what happened was I, I we got into baseball when I was in the Bay. And at the time, both Kevin and Ari were living in SF. And so meet up with them, go to some games. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they just invited me to join the league that year. I forget who left. I think, I think that might've been when Drew got kicked out because he was beating Kevin too often or something. And that's uh, right. And I slid right into that slot. Uh, so, Kevin, so. Exactly. And uh, well, so then I, I have a question here. Did you, um, did you ever play fantasy football before you joined the fantasy baseball league? Yeah. So I played fantasy football since, uh, since like middle school, high school, somewhere in that range. Um, so you weren't, it wasn't like necessarily a completely new language to you. No, no, uh, no. I mean, like, you know, there's, there's, there's quirks of, you know, it, you know, idiosyncrasies of fantasy baseball, but um, the fantasy world was familiar. And I like, I, I like, you know, I, I, I knew baseball at the time. So um, yeah. that definitely helped. Yeah. But I, I really appreciate it because it's made me appreciate a larger swath of baseball. Like, I think the way I watched baseball even then was very particular. I think even now um, it's, 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 you know, I, I started watching all my starters. I watch, um, you know, just random at bats that I like, I wouldn't watch like a random, um, like some Texas Seattle game. Like, you know, it just gets me into watching some other games I wouldn't watch. So that's, that's, that's really why I appreciate it as well. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I find myself watching the most obscure games because I have an interest in it. 
Um, I'm, I get superstitious when I watch my starters and like the minute they start getting hit around, I'm like, I'm turning it off. Do you feel the, <laughs> sa- do you feel the same way? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I like it, there, there, there's always some superstition involved. I, like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been crazy, especially in the past couple of weeks, everyone's been getting, I mean, at least my, my guys have been knocked out like injury wise. And so it's been like, it's been rough. I, I have not turned on some of these random waiver wire guys that I've picked up. I'm just like, like hoping and praying that they do all right. That feels feels like a lottery system some years, you know, Uh, some years you're getting the winning ticket and others, it's just a bust. But so I've got a question around your start of fantasy baseball, and it kind of leads into a little bit of the strategy idea, or maybe like big picture, like baseball philosophy per se. Um, So you came in without any like real, like preconceived, like fantasy baseball biases. And there was a lot of discussion last week about how sometimes like, um, you can develop biases based off like recent performance and that like ignorance or even just ignoring some things or not overthinking it can actually lead to success. Have you thought about this at all? Have you thought about like w- when you first started playing or the way you apply it to your current strategy or a little bit of that idea of regression to the mean? Um, yeah. what, what do you think? I think that most of the time, you're not going to beat the experts is kind of what I think. Meaning if we're saying the house always wins, the house in this case are the people who run projection systems. And it's not to say that people don't break out and people don't buck the curve, like the aging curve or like some whatever, like progression curve. But I think I trust just the projections. Um, I mean, like like it sounds almost like counterintuitive to like, oh, like actively managing like a baseball game or something like that. But like, I think the projections do a lot. And I think that actually overmanaging a lot of the times leads to, um, I mean, like this is kind of like the Buffett mentality, right? You sit and hold, you believe in what you got. And obviously you make adjustments because like, let's say the pandemic hits, like you're not going to be like sitting on your ass, like, you know, like, 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 acting like everything's normal if things things change you, you definitely have to react to them but i do think that like active management sometimes um at least has for me like shown that like hey like so for example i when i draft i think one thing i think about is just like zigging with other people's zag. and what i mean by that is <clears throat> i don't necessarily need to like um, when, for example, in our league, we don't, I, don't, I don't have to win every category. And in fact, what my draft strategy is, I just look at what people are going for. And I say, okay, I think that people aren't going after runs a lot. And so I'll go after runs. Um, Interesting. And, and that's actually what happened this year was, um, I mean, like, I, I went into it really looking for um, a lot of pitching. And I just didn't get the pitches I wanted at the time. And so I'm like, okay, people aren't, and people are getting the power of So it's like, okay, maybe I'll just get the top of the order people. Like, I'm just going to get the on-base runs, stolen base categories. And like, I'm not even going to consider like RBIs or something like that. So, um, yeah, I think that you sort of like commit to a strategy. You kind of got to sit on it. And if you're working too much within that, like, you know, on the one week to two week time scale, it really kind of hurts you. Uh, is, is my opinion. It's my opinion. Yeah. 
Uh, you said something that uh, really kind of stuck out to me about how, like, during the draft, you kind of look at the league as a whole, like, and what's taking place and try to zag, like, zag there. Uh, and that's, that's, I think that's really interesting because like, and I, of course I can only speak about my own personal experience, but I, I find it difficult to even just keep track of my own team during the draft, let alone what the league as a whole is doing. And so I know it'd be a whole deep dive like discussion, but like, how do you, like, how do you, is it just like more of a like observation or are you, are you keeping track somewhere? Like, like, are you averaging out? Like, or is it just more natural? Yeah, actually, you know, like I can definitely share this with the league, but you know, at the mid-season mark, so I didn't do this during the draft, but at the mid-season mark, what I did was I actually took an average of everyone's positional starts, meaning not the people they had on the roster, but I took a look at who they started at catcher, who they started at first base, who they started at second base, and all that stuff. And I looked at the average numbers that a catcher produced, average number that a first baseman produces. And, and then I just see like, okay, like this is, and, and actually, and I'll totally share this with the, with the league. I actually have everyone's um, percent, like uh, quartiles um, for every single position slot. So like, I know, for example, if I take a look at your team that you got a great outfield um, <laughs> and, and your utility slots are doing great, but catcher, the, everything infield is red for, for me. I mean, you got a third, I mean, like, I don't even know who you have. I, like I just know third base gets you a lot of RBIs and you have decent, you know, these decent power hitter at third. Um, so but, what are they, what are they read um, in comparison to the league average? <clears throat> yeah. So, 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 so for example, what I have is, yeah, like I said, I'll probably share this with everyone, but um, it's the average that a starter in our league is producing. Meaning like it's not the league MLB average, it's the chalice chasers yeah. average for that position, how many RBIs they hit. So and I, actually, I actually use this information um, to like look at waiver wire picks. I mean, like this is this kind of, I mean, I mean we're going in the strategy already, but like, you know, like one of the things I've, I've heard people say is that it's really hard to say how good a player on the waiver wire is. Like, is, are they actually going to improve my team? And obviously you can go and say, okay, I'm missing, you know, stolen base. I'm going to, sort by stolen base, I'm going to see who's like, you know, I'm going to pick up Victor Robles on the white wire or something like that, right? I mean, I should do it with the My point is, is that like, it's really hard to compare players. And uh, like, I just have the, the average for each person's uh, starters. And so like, for example, I know for a fact that I'm being carried right now, this, this year, by like three big bats. And I have like a lot of holes and I mean, like, this is, this just gives me like a good sense of like how I'm navigating um, the season. And yeah, this uh, like, so, 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 you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at a waiver wire player and I know on the average week, the average first baseman gives me 3.2 runs, 1.1 home runs, 3.6 RBIs, 0.1 stolen bases. Like this, this is just like, okay. And I see this guy on the waiver wire on average gives me five runs, but two RBIs. I'm like, okay, this, this guy fits into my strategy. I'm going for the So this, I, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is that like, that's, that's really interesting because I, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I don't know if everyone applies a, um, 
strategic framework behind their waiver pickup. And now granted it could like develop over time and you just get a feel for it. Like anything, like it's kind of intuition, you know, what you're looking for, you know, what to avoid, who's hot, who's not. Um, and like, I know, like, I'm, I, I think again, I have to speak personally because I don't necessarily have much of a strategy other than like dealing with intuition. And so it's fascinating. Like, I'd love to hear if other people like look at as many types of like uh, details as you do. Like, uh, it's just really cool. No, I mean, like, I think that statistics are only good for backing up intuition. Meaning oh. I don't think that I trust the numbers more than I would trust. Like, I mean, like this idea of like, I'm going for runs. Like you don't need a stat tell you I'm going for runs you know what I'm saying like it just tells me okay I think that it just gives me a quantitative number to say okay this guy actually is really good at getting runs and if I'm truly punting RBIs then like I don't really mind that the player rater is like negative one if if that makes sense like it's like it's like everything is contextual like the player rater is contextualized based off of how they calculate. So obviously it doesn't capture everything. And so my, my, my thing is, Hey, you got to understand how the thing's built. And at the end of the day, there's something real behind it that you're trying to get at. But that number itself is not the real thing. The real thing is the actual player, the, the like the player on the field. And so, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like, there's, there, there's actually some really cool insights. I think like, as, as soon as everyone sees this, what, what you'll see is that actually the outfield, like, I mean, this is like, maybe this goes to this idea that we already know a lot of these facts that the numbers show us. So for example, we know that the first baseman and the outfielders are the best performers across the board. Right. And, you know, shortstop steals in those bases and all that. But um, what like random things that I found is that like, for example, the third outfielder is actually by far the worst player that you could find on anyone's roster. So like on average, the third outfielder has, so this is, this is something I looked up, the league-wide slash, slash, triple slash up till this point is 237, 312, and 396. So oh, on wow. base 312, 396, and our average outfielder is league average. Meaning like, it's not even like, uh, like amongst, like rostered players it's not even amongst like starting players it's like they're actually just league average so now it's one of these things that's like if you start seeing where the holes are and it's like okay like maybe like this is an opportunity for me to load up on outfielders next year because maybe people aren't seeing okay outfield three is a really weak position that's a really interesting insight the uh um, i think conventional wisdom is that there's so many outfielders and that you can always find good ones on the waiver wire. And really, if you look at it, it's not the case. Like that's fascinating. I've, I've got a plug and play in my third outfield right now. So I, uh, when you say it, it, um, it rings true for me. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's random stuff like this that like, if you start, it just gives you a like contextualization of like where you're doing as a team. But I mean, like, like, Kind of like I said, your third outfielder is actually way better than the rest of the league. So you're using that slot to its full potential. So my third outfielder on the whole season? On the overall for the entire season. So, like, I'm not even considering maybe someone got injured or something like that. No, but I, I mean, like, 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 kind of going to your initial question of baseball knowledge and, like, knowing baseball, going into, going into stuff, 
like I would say that my like in terms of baseball knowledge, I'm very low on the totem pole of the league. Like I will readily admit that. I think you know I see uh, you know people bring up like a like a like a career like stat you know baseball reference page. Like like I honestly couldn't tell you for most of them. And and to be fair, like it's one of these things. I I'm such like a in the now type of person that like I couldn't tell you for example, like who the home run leader last year was like, like really basic stuff, even from like last year. And, but I, but like, I don't particularly think that like affects my, my watching of the game. Like I, I still enjoy watching games. I still enjoy, you know, doing fancy baseball stuff, but I don't, I don't particularly like try to remember like stats and stuff like that from previous years. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of comes back to what you said in the beginning about how, like you'll kind of rely a little bit on the projections because it is kind of like the house, you know, like that. You don't need to remember what happened last year because it's going to come into those projections. I want to ask you what projection system you prefer the most, but I don't want you to necessarily give away your secret sauce uh, because like, for example, when we were drafting, I was sitting in a room with Kevin Link and both of us, I think were using zips. I think in the past I've heard you mention that like, so you, you look at like zips too. And like, you like things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, this kind of goes with the zagging when people are zigging. Like, I, like I'm thinking about it this way. You just need a different projection system. You don't even need the best projection system. If you have five people using the best projection system and one person using kind of a slightly shittier projection system, but they somehow, like, don't see this one per- person, like and, and like, and, like, that's all it takes because 11 picks go by and this guy wasn't picked up until so you pick him up at that spot. So, like, like it, it, so actually, there's there, there's a famous uh, story in uh, Chinese fables, and I'll tell it to you right now. Oh, very cool! Is that, is that there's two nations that are racing horses, right? And the second nation has worse horses by far. Like they, like they, 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 they would not win, but they're playing a best out of three, um, like uh, best out of three race type of type of thing. So what the second nation does is that they hit their worst horse against the other nation's best horse. And then they hit their second best horse against, sorry, or sorry, they hit their best horse against their second, the first nation's second best and the uh, second best against the third best. And so they win two out of three. Makes and perfect so, sense. And so I sort of think that like, this is actually why I love the categories. Like, I don't think it would be nearly as fun for me if we were doing points because points is that idea of hey we're going to chase that the same people again and again you know and what i love about the categories is like okay so everyone really likes home runs like i love chicks dig the log ball like i dig the log ball you know (laughs) that's a great Um, point (laughs) um but you know like it it's only one category i mean there's pet slugging but like it's, it's, it's not the end all be all. So if you see a bunch of, you know, number one horses go off the board, like, yeah, just, just, you know, we're, we're, we're playing a different game here. You know, you can, you can play, you know, like go for, go for the different categories. So I, I truly appreciate the, the categories because of that, because we're not all chasing the same guys. Like how, 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 like how monotonous would that be? If it's just like, okay, these are the, you know, you have to go for home runs or something. And, and I actually, you know, I, I think Kevin said this, where he's like, oh, like, uh, you know, like I'm up by 10 home runs this week and my guy just hits a dinger and like, I don't even care. Right. 
I'm sitting on the other side. I'm like, yeah, keep hitting dingers though. Like, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't matter. Like, you know, a hundred percent. I love that outlook. Um, and I do think that the, the way in which you described it is very clear. And um, I, I personally agree with it because I like the categories and um, I'm glad that you kind of are in agreement. And uh, you know, that's why there's chocolate and vanilla. I know some of the league likes know, different things. Hopefully well, we can I- keep it as is maybe, and we can always make some modifications. I, I never really understood the whole six category thing, but maybe we'll save league um, like dynamics for another time, like in regards to settings. Sure. Yeah. I feel like we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole with that. Right. No, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, like, like, I think that um, I'll, I'll just leave it on this point. I think someone else said that it doesn't reflect true baseball. And I think that's true. It doesn't reflect whether or not a player is really worthy of being on the field. And, but, but, but the point is that hey, at the same time, you know, offensive stats don't don't make a player on the field either, right? Like you were talking about, like whether or not, you know, like like a like a war is a better representation. Anyways, yeah, like um, but I think what it is a better representation of is a manager standpoint. It's a better representation of what a general manager has to do to get ahead in the MLB. Not saying like to to like a win a game, but this is how a general manager has to operate. I have a set fixed like we we're playing the same game everyone has the same rules set out in front of them and you have to finagle some freaking way to like make that work out and i think that's why i like the categories it's because for the man from the manager point of view you're playing that you know movement type of you know like uh posturing type of uh absolutely yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more um so sean on your um, analysis you had done at the midpoint of the year, uh, how can how how are you able to share that with everyone? Are you going to send it in the group, or um, is that something that like uh, I'll need to maybe uh, figure out later on? I'm just I oh, just want I'm, the listeners to know how they can eventually find that information. Um, I think I mean I'll either just post in the group me or maybe I'll try to post it as like a like a, like a post on the league page or something. But it, it's, oh, it, yeah, it's, it's one wouldn't... of these yeah. I wonder if Kevin and I interrupted you, but I wonder if Kevin could post it in our um, Google Drive. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. It might not be a bad place too. Yeah. But uh, I can't wait to you know take a deeper deeper look, and I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Uh, so I have another topic that I think is not quite too heavy, but I'd love to have a quick inner intersection to that in regards to um, an, a very easy light question. What is it like owning Shohei Otani this year? <laughs> what what is how's that been? You know, I drafted him one because I needed an agent on my team. That's that's just how <laughs> it like, you know, gotta gotta represent. I mean, like every time he hits a home run, they cut to the Asian family, right? Like that's like like that's me. Like every time they hit a home run, they should just cut to me on the couch. Like, fuck yeah. Like, Do they really? Um, Have you been watching a lot of angels at all? Um I will watch his at bats because I think every at bat is is incredible like TV experience. Um, I mean, like even his like strikeouts, like because I mean, like he strikes out on some filth. Like they throw their best stuff at him, and it's uh, it's awesome to watch. Uh, you know, I can't believe 
he, I mean, I got him in the 11th round. Like that's just incredible value. And um, I drafted him because I was really into like the positional flexibility this year. Cause I wanted to make sure I was like, okay. I mean, like, he, he, like he's always had it, but I knew he was playing the full season this year. Um, so I was like, okay, like maybe I can slot him in as a pitcher. I, I haven't started him as a pitcher a single time because his bat's incredible. Like, I, like I can't pull him out of my lineup this week. I was like, you know, I'm just going to lose all like pitching matchups and just hope that I can like scratch up something in the pitching categories from Shohei, you know? Um, and didn't he like hit that. two bombs last night? Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, he, yeah, he loved that short porch. I mean, it, from, as an, as an A's fan, I love the fact that he needs to struggle. But from like a human standpoint, it's incredible how players just go to Anaheim and they like wither or something. I mean, like, I mean, like, like as a team, like, like it, it's it, it's it's really sad. I would I would love if you know you know the Fishman and, and Shohei could could go show the talent somewhere else. You know, I'm not saying. Right. Could you but, imagine if he was in like uh, in New York playing? It'd oh be my a, god! It would be like. It, it would be must-watch TV. It's already must-watch TV, but it would be even more must-watch TV. Like him in Yankee Stadium, that the they'd be going bonkers. Yeah, no, like he's. I, I mean, he's he, he's like he's like made from like a manga. You know, he is. Um, his bat speed is incredible. Oh, uh, unbelievable! He 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 swings so fast and so hard, and he's yoked, man. I didn't realize that. Shohei Otani is ripped. You know, actually, that's one of the crazy thing about these baseball players. Like, I think the baseball uniform itself does something to the to the body because these dudes are ridiculously strong, but they look like in the baseball uniform like they're just like some, some average people. You know, I like I I I, don't know, I forget who it was. I think I was on Instagram. There's like this like Danny Valencia or like some like some like really like random baseball player, and he did like a one handed clean of like two twenty five. Jeez. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like these people, like it, it, it just doesn't show like it, you know, I, like, I mean, try, I mean, like we can go to MLB stadium, try to hit it out the park and we'll never do it. So obviously, you know, even the small Billy Hamilton is like, you could beat me in an arm wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, that's a great reference. Uh, it, that one hits home. Billy Billy <laughs> Hamilton could crush me too. I'd uh, I'd have to go up against I think Michael Bourne, and I still don't think I'd do well. Um, so Sean, then then the other area I kind of wanted to segue into because I know that you had actually done a quick little uh, analysis earlier in the year, and I'd love to get your thoughts on um, did the pitching bubble pop this year? Like when they banned this stuff. Did we see the bubble pop? I mean, just, I mean, just look at the waiver wire in the league. It is bone dry. I don't think you can get a serviceable guy from the waiver wire. And that's kind of how it's been. I mean, first off, there's been a ton of injuries. Um, 2020 shortened season really, you know, cut into the long, I mean, this is, we've, we've already played more games than last year. So, um, and, and I think this, like, this whole sticky substance thing is, is going to, yeah, like, obviously, like, changing in midseason. I mean, this is a conversation that we've had with the league, right? So I'm, I'm not spilling any beans here by saying, yeah, like, league-wide, I think this triple slash has gone up 10 points in right. the past, like, two weeks. I think it was, like, Jeff Passan on ESPN was saying that, like, literally, I, we're, we're talking about huge 
we're already like, you know, I don't know, like 70 games in. Like, to be able to change the league wide slash 10 points in a week, that's that like that's crazy because that means that like yeah, people are getting shelled. Um, yeah, they are. And it's- yeah, it's and it's and it's who like who knows? Like, I think it's great for baseball. Um, but I do think it's worrying as a you know, in the league because we have a ton of pitcher spots. Right. <laughs> we do. And uh, I've been like considering like, do I just like throw like a old guy in there just to keep the ratios and then like, you know, like punt like sort of the counting stats. I mean, like it's, it's a consideration, right? So it's like, um, no, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like the, the beginning of the year, we, yeah, we kind of talked about it. People were, you know, every, like every dude, 10 strikeouts. It was unbelievable. I'd never yeah. seen something like that. Yeah. Um, so it like, I think that we're in a interesting era. We're in the transition period. It's hard to say what's going to happen for the rest of the rest of the year, but kind of my strategy also, you know, you guys actually mentioned it last week. I, I truly just want to make the playoffs every, you know, as, as long as you make the playoffs, bullshit happens. Right. Uh, and I think life's kind of like that. Like, who's is there a true meritocracy in the world? Like, no. It's all about. I know you. I know you kind of mentioned Buffett earlier, and you also said Caltech, and then you know uh, Munger is a Caltech guy, and uh, the whole key is like survivor, like surviving. I was gonna yeah. say survivorship, but like, it's all about being able to like be there to get that at bat. Like, you know, you just got to survive to be able to be there for the next thing. And so I know a lot of people lose focus of that. And that kind of seems to be your mentality a little bit on like, you know, I just need to survive, like get me there and then anything can happen. And yeah, no, I'm absolutely, I mean, like it's, I mean, we, we have one week like wild card. I mean, it's like, like wild card round every single week when we go into the playoffs. And so, I mean, this is news to no one. No, make but it's it like but make it to the playoffs and then anything can happen. And so I like, you know, it's great that, you know, I'm like, you know, like doing, I did well the past two weeks, but I'm not too high on it. Like I realize there's holes in my team. Uh, but I, but I do think I can make the playoffs and then who knows, right. Crazy, crazier things have happened in the playoffs. That's why. And that's why I think that there is a little bit of activity taking place right now. Uh, behind the scenes in regards to trying to load up teams for the playoffs to kind of have that little bit of a edge to almost be like a super team and kind of take advantage of the teams that are out of it. And I'm just here to say, and I'm in the basement, I'm against it. I don't want, (laughs) I don't want Mike Trout getting moved to a contender. I don't want, you know, Jack Flaherty. I think I saw that in the group. I don't want him moving to a contender. Like uh, it's a perfectly good strategy. It's legal. It's against the law, but I don't want to see it happen because then that idea of, like you said, anything can happen in the playoffs every once in a while, there can be that team that it's like, Whoa, like, like, I don't want to mess with that team. I, I see it less and less in categories. I will say. Um, yeah. And yeah. I don't think well, it's, it's the it's, case. It's, it's because like you, like the only way that you're actually truly scared of the team is if you're going strength to strength, like, if I have a subset of categories, I think is my strength. And I'll be honest with you. I came into the season thinking pitching was my strength. And first like 10 weeks or something like that, I, I, I felt confident 
you know, the pitching categories. And um, as long as I won one of the, like hitting categories, I felt good about it. And obviously kind of like we're saying, we're getting decimated in the pitching categories. Um, but man, like there's, there's, there's a ton of luck involved. Like for, for the pitching, it's like, yeah, like sometimes people get two starts and like, right. depending on how many games people play that we play. So it's so much of that is out of your control. And I mean, I don't particularly mind going up against a team of like all superstars. Cause, cause like on the one week, I mean, this is the Oakland A fans speaking out right like right. you can be the best large number team in the world and some bullshit's going to happen in the playoffs like it, it's 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 guaranteed to be some bullshit um and i kind of rely on that like and then I, I i feel like i kind of rely on that in general too it's so like just put yourself in a good position and hey you know like it's it, it's anyone's game at that point i i love that um not only do you bless the league with your baseball knowledge, but then the, the larger picture life philosophy <laughs> where, where I, I, could, I couldn't ask for more in a guest on here. It's, it's great. I'm, um, I'm curious uh, if anyone else wants to ever come on and uh, chat about things like that. But so, yeah, I guess then Sean on, then I know we're, we've been running on here for a little while now. I just, I'd love to get into like, and for not, we won't take too much time here, but like, your team's on fire right now. You've been very humble about it this year. You guys are clicking on all cylinders. And like you said, that can change on a dime. You're not going to put anything into it, but um, has there any, anything been sticking out to you this year that you really um, necessarily think that is um, like kind of here to stay or like more of an anomaly. And what I mean by that is like, do you think you're going to um, like, you think any of these guys uh, are going to stay as hot as they've been. Any of them, you've kind of got your eye on. You're like, whoa, I'd be curious to see if they keep doing this. Like, I, I, I just think of Otani, I, I, like, um, but we've talked about him enough. But like any other guys that you look on your team and you're like, I just, I don't know if it's sustainable for them to keep putting up this kind of output. Well, I mean, Jose Altuve on my team has not, has way been outperforming his like expected uh, peripherals. Um, I don't put too much value into the, X Woba and the Sierra and stuff like that. Like I'm not like I don't I don't trust those predictions basically. Oh um, wow. Okay. So that's yeah. big that's big news here. I uh I know but a lot I, of the podcasts I, I do think Jose Altuve is not in like a, he's at 18 home runs, I think, this year at, at this point. And I don't think I mean he's he's run into a couple basically. And I mean and I think I've run into a couple, to be honest. Like I like I think I've been incredibly lucky with my head. Like, I don't think I necessarily it's, – it's, it's funny because, like, it, it's turned – yeah, kind of like you're saying, like, like my, my, my bats are really hot right now, and I don't necessarily expect that to continue um, long-term just because, you know, like, I, I ran into Chris Bryant on, like, like, a resurgence. I ran into Jose Altuve, who was, like, couldn't see a curveball, like, you right. know, like, two years ago, and all of a sudden it's, like, mashing them, like, I, so, I mean, like, there's some great value names, man. Chris Bryant, um, Jose Altuve, like you said, uh, just fantastic value there, and where you got them, and what their out, what their output is. Same with Scherzer. This whole thing is a value team, man. Yeah, like when I mean, this kind of, when I was drafting, I really wanted to go pitcher heavy, and it's 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 still the thing that like bites me in the in the end is that like not having pitcher depth. 
um, because of all these injuries. But I mean, it is what it is. Uh, this is, you know, we'll, we'll definitely navigate it and hopefully we'll run into a couple more in the, in the playoff season. Absolutely. Uh, so Sean, then here to wrap it up, man. And I, I uh, really appreciate your time today and I'm sure all the listeners have enjoyed it as well. A couple, a couple lighter questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go for it. So there's been a lot of talk this week so far about AL MVP. I know you own Otani, but um, so who would you, would you go Vlad or Otani Jr. for AL MVP right now, if you had to pick one? I think you got to go Otani. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard thing. I think that Vlad definitely a better bat without a doubt. And actually, you know, one, one more thing I will share with the league is that there's like this, this, uh, this, this stat that I look at that is like non-conventional and it's called good piece of hitting. G- good piece of hitting? Yeah, GPH. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So it's hard hit percent. So just anything above 95% plus walks. And then, so, so like your, your walk percent, so total at bats, how many walks you got, how many hard hit balls you got. And then that's your good piece of hidden. Oh, so is that yeah. proprietary or, or did you no, find not, that out there? Not, it's, it's online. It's online. Good yeah, piece online. of hitting. Yeah. And, and, there, and there's a, there's a converse one that's called good piece of pitching. I think it's, yeah. <laughs> And it's just uh, here. Let, let me let me take a look. At you you it. even you even announce it with that or pronounce it with that twang on the end a little bit, as <laughs> if like you know it's like walking by. It's like look at that good piece of hitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, so that one is uh, K percentage, soft hit percent, added. So it's like uh, the it's it's purely based off of exit velocity. So if you if the pitching creates a lot of soft contact and it decays a lot. Um, and uh, it's just, once again, this is, I think, just a zag when people say, like, is this the best stat in the world? No. Like, does it leave out a ton of things? Absolutely. But, you know, it's it, it, it just allows you to see the value where if you go on the waiver wire and use with top players and you're like, wow, this guy's, 22nd on good piece of hitting but like it's still on the way to wire <laughs> you know maybe i could pick him up basically it's like like the type of thing so um, who so who do you have the list open right now because i don't yeah yeah i actually do vlad is top of the list of course he's 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 the best hitter out there right now and shohei is like 20 something so um it's yeah, funny I mean, yeah. if i were to pull the league i bet everyone had their eye on vlad this year there was just that idea that like, this is the range you're supposed to take him. Can I get him around that range? Do I want to? Like, I'm sure everyone was like, I'm, I want that dude for the breakout. And it's, uh, it's just crazy to see his breakout. But uh, um, yeah, the good piece of hitting and uh, good piece of pitching. If you're into that, you know, <laughs> you got to have both. So that's so cool. Uh, another light question for you here. Favorite baseball movie. I mean, it's got to be Moneyball. I was, I, I was thinking it. That's why I asked. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say Field of Dreams, but I had to ask. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I like, I love Michael. All of my Michael Lewis books. He's a he's a great writer. I mean, I mean, are you a Michael Lewis fan? Are you? Uh, do you do you read like The Big Short? I've I've, I've read some of the books. Um, I uh, uh, he's from Berkeley. 
Yeah. Okay. So he's from Berkeley. So you got that going for you. He's a bear too. Um, Yeah. So that is Moneyball his, like, I know the big short is too. Cause I was going to say, I thought Moneyball might be the only movie. Wow. He's got multiple movies now for his books. He has a ton of books. And uh, yeah, there's uh, like, he he has some like uh, older books about like poker and stuff like that too. Like anyways, like I think I credit Moneyball and like the Oakland A's for getting me into baseball at all. Like when I first read uh, Moneyball, and I was like, "Wow, you can predict." I mean, this is the Bill James stuff, where you can predict the total number of runs that a team will score with five stats, with plus or minus five runs in a year. That's incredible. And that is like, like that. Like that's the type of stuff that I'm like, okay, like this is this is like so. Um, I, I I truly come from it from like okay like we can break this game down into a really manageable way. And I love what the league is doing because they're leaning into this type of stuff. Like the new, uh, the Hawkeye, have you heard of this? The Hawkeye tracking system? No. Okay. Yeah. So like, um, this is something that was installed in all the parks last year beforehand, the spin rate data was calculated based off of models. So they, they couldn't measure the spin rates. Yeah. Uh, uh, and they couldn't measure the position of everything. But this, this year, you've been seeing a lot of, a lot more of like uh, stats integrated, like, uh, like defensive metrics. Uh, I mean, this was like percent catch probability was added in last year or something like that. Um, That's fascinating. But it's, it's because new technology enables it. I, I guess what I'm saying, like there's, there's every single additional, I mean, like this whole spin rate thing came out of um, just being able to track the spin rates and then read out the, um, the batter's averages after different spin rates for different velocities, right? Is it so is like it, that's is it is it cameras? It's cameras, it's high speed cameras. Now there's 12 cam- high speed cameras in every single ballpark that can track the position and literally the limb movement of every player. So not only are they like tracking the position, they know that the guy like laid out like this, and right. it's like you know, so like. I mean, like, I think the era of defensive metrics is going to be like the next cool. big thing. Can I go on a tangent there real yeah, quick? Because I'd love your opinion on this. I've always thought about it. So obviously sports gambling is becoming huge within like all sports, it, just in general. That's not a profound statement. And it's almost like like a little bit like Wall Street in a sense that like when I know there's that one Michael Lewis Flash Boys book, which I like I perused. But like, I think a lot of it had to do with like, speed of which you get the data and getting as close as possible to like wall street because they could get the information quicker than everyone and like make money off it sure yeah like quant trading yeah is that going to take place in like is there like why wouldn't there like why wouldn't a hedge fund like buy up (laughs) buy up the the front row seats of the oakland a's and be doing something there to get some kind of edge on like sports gambling like it's just that's something that's always like crossed my mind you're saying like, why don't people invest? I mean, baseball is the perfect thing to invest in because you can actually make money off it long term. I mean, I mean, Link can tell you more about this. He's 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 definitely more. Of <laughs> he's the, the the sportsman. Uh, yeah. No, not necessarily investing. More along the lines of like, say, like a trading firm. Like, why why wouldn't they be sitting there trying to like, um, say, like even arbitrage between like. Uh, the time difference of like live sports betting 
and like being there actually in person and maybe having some kind of like say it's cameras or whatnot to like personal cameras to be able to measure something or catch probability just i'm just curious like and i know that type of stuff would have to happen at like split speeds yeah no i mean like it's an interesting thought i I don't have much of an opinion on it uh like i mean like what you're saying is that there's like a market inefficiency right there that there's money to be made in that lag of some something happening i I mean like if you were at game four of the uh eastern conference finals and you saw that Giannis tweaked his knee and you could instantly bet on game five before right like before the the models yeah i mean like is is there an inefficiency there probably um but i mean there's a huge inefficiency in sports gambling in general like one percent of the people what when like i i I actually don't know the percentages but like you know the top percentage of people win like most most of the money anyway so it's like it's not it's not an optimized market to begin with if you're If you're willing to like delve into it uh, to that degree, I think there's definitely an opportunity. So, yeah, um, no, I just I thought that was interesting. So, Sean, we uh, we've been on for a while. We've touched so many fantastic topics. I really hope that all the listeners enjoy it. Um, I just can't thank you enough for coming on, man. And you'll have to come do this again sometime. Hey, th- uh, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. This is uh, get to talk some sports, get to talk some life, and uh, yeah, get to catch up with Steve. Hey, man. Well. Uh, um, until next time and best of luck to, uh, the, the Cronins this year. Uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope it ends, uh, hope it ends well for you. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, if you want to trade, uh, your top guys for, um, some waiver wire picks, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> all right. So no, I didn't... That, no, that's totally Kevin's MO. I mean, it is, I didn't want to say this, but. I don't know if the league knows this, but you offered me Shohei Otani earlier in the year for Tim Anderson. I did. I did. And wow, I, I overthought that one. <laughs> that was a, it was a fair deal. Tim Anderson has gone like this. Shohei has gone like that in the long run. We'll see what happens. But um, I think that was the kind of spark that my team needed. And uh, I think you were being, uh, it was, it was hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad you didn't take it. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so, hey, well, uh, thanks again, man, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely.